Welcome to the Blessed Be Birth podcast, a place to talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and motherhood through the lens of the Catholic faith. I'm Maggie, birth doula and birth assistant. And I'm Gabby, birth doula and postpartum nurse. Join us for a conversation about pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and how we can invite God in. Hey there. Hey. I know that we're recording this before, but Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Well, we're recording. It's only like a few days beforehand, which is yeah. insane. And it's snowy this morning, which is so nice. Well, it's afternoon now, but I've lost all track of time now that we're in Christmas mode. Well, and you're in baby mode, too. I was going to say, if you can hear Sydney, that's the little noises. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, baby baby mode, mom land, um, Christmas vacation mode. Time is is not a thing anymore. Like, I forgot that today was Thursday. Um, I thought it was Saturday. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I think it's just going to be Saturday for, like, the next week. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, basically. I mean, well, you know, the what, the week after Christmas, like, every day is, like, Sunday, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. we're just going to have eight Sundays in a row, and it's going to be amazing. Yes, I'll take it. Your kid's excited for Christmas? Oh, my gosh. Well, we have our little advent calendar Um, that's, like, a – um velcro like the activity scene that they get to put up like a different thing every day and so that's like the big thing is they get to come downstairs and have to switch off who gets to put up what and prevent the littlest guy from eating it all um but they're so yeah they're so excited like lily had her christmas party on tuesday at school and like Mm. she was just so excited she made us an amazing christmas gift so like oh it was like this like the the kings, like the three kings, they made this like beautiful pasta like picture that's like spray painted in gold with like different types of pasta. And it's like outlining the king, like and she picked out this beautiful like background for it. And it was just so sweet. And I'm like, oh that's precious. I'm at that point in my life with like mom gifts, like homemade <laughs> mom gifts are my jam. I get it now. Oh, you'll have to keep them all in like a box or something to look through when they're older. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well her well, the first not all of them, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I <laughs> If anyone has ever seen like the blue, like Bluey, where um, they go to like the I think the, the dump and like he's like dumping out a bunch of like the old pictures and they're like freaking out. I'm like panicking every time I throw out some of the old like pictures. I'm like, oh my gosh, like are they gonna know? But yeah, got to keep all the good, the really really good ones. And this is a yeah. good one. How are you guys doing preparing these final days for Christmas? Good. I have like one or two things I need to run out to Target to get. Otherwise, we're ready. We'll probably start wrapping gifts tomorrow night. I think that's what we usually do is we wrap our gifts before Christmas Eve. It's our little tradition. Nice. Um, Usually pour a glass of wine and we just spend a couple hours wrapping all the gifts, which will be nice. It's it's fun this year because, I mean, Ryland's only two and a half, but... And he doesn't understand, like, oh, you know, you're going to get presents. It's Christmas, like, baby Jesus. But we're talking to him about all the things. So I'm hoping Christmas morning this year, like, with presents, he'll get excited. Because that, that'll be fun. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. – yeah, I <laughs> – I was, like, debating putting um, Damien's in, like, just, like, a bag. And I was, like, a mm-hmm. one present for him to, like, unwrap. 
But, like, all of my kids, like, when they're, like, below the age of three, they're just kind of over it. Like, they'll open one thing, and then they're just like, all right, I'm done, and just, like, play with, like, the paper. And I'm like, okay, well, you know. We tried. It's good. You're happy. (laughs) That's what matters. Yep, exactly. Um, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day mass? Christmas Day. Oh, sorry, miss. Christmas Day. We used to do midnight mass, but now with a toddler and a baby, that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. So we're doing Christmas morning mass. Oh, same. Maybe we'll see you there. Yes. Oh, my gosh. He's making so many noises over here. Oh, (laughs) you know what? This is part of motherhood, right? Is being able to... um, you know, have our kids be a part of things and that's okay. Like, yep. please don't ever, and this goes for anyone, like, don't apologize for your kids. I have to be better at this myself or I'm like constantly apologizing if my kids are interrupting my conversation or what yeah. I'm doing. And, I you know, I've been talking to Cam about it the other day. Like I find myself, cause she's very, like, I mean, she's only six weeks old, but she's very attached to me. And anytime other people want to hold her, she doesn't want to be held or like she wakes up immediately like she's just she's just calm and peaceful with me and in cam but like I find myself apologizing to people I'm like why am I apologizing that my six-week-old just wants to snuggle with me you know yeah it's so weird it's so ingrained in us to just I don't know like people pleasing and yeah, that could that could be a whole other conversation for another <laughs> yes. time. That will have to be. Yes, that'll have to be. I yeah, like that is definitely something I have had to do. And if, if I've ever, you know, had like one I'm sure many of my clients know that I've had my kids like, you know, come in or interrupt during like a meeting before just because they needed me. And and yeah. like I apologize and, and such and I'll say I'm sorry, but I'll go and and you know, address my kiddos. Maybe not as patiently yeah. as I should. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that definitely has happened before. And that's that's okay. That's motherhood. Yeah. That's yeah. motherhood. Follows us everywhere. Oh, yeah. But I like cute baby sounds. <laughs> right? And she's, she makes a lot of noises. Oh, so, yeah, you do. Whoever said sleeping like a baby has never... Actually, <laughs> had a sleeping baby. baby. Yeah, they do make a lot of sounds. Yes. Oh. Yeah, you are. She's very squeaky. Right? We can't, we call her mouse because she she's she squeaks a lot. <laughs> we have a video of our oldest, like when when I, when uh our second was born, and our oldest was like, "Oh my gosh, she squeaks." she squeaks because she she was like two when she was born and she like couldn't fathom the fact that like she squeaked like she thought that was the coolest thing ever and we will still watch that video to this day and we're just like she squeaks (laughs) (laughs) that's so cute so yeah she loves baby squeaks don't we all (laughs) oh my gosh you want to dive into our topic yeah let's do it um yeah we figured um today would be awesome to talk about the concept of birth plan, birth desires, however you want to call it. Yes, and why it's important. Yeah, and they, you know, there are different thoughts surrounding it, um, both positive and negative thoughts surrounding mm-hmm. it. And so I think it's just a good conversation to have to be able to understand even like why they're a thing in the first place, but also there's just a lot more um, benefits than just the concept of like 
you know, the actual physical plan that you're creating or the, yeah. the actual desires that you're like, you know, writing down. Um, like there's a lot more benefits kind of behind that too, that people may not always think about or realize. Yeah. And I think in light of a viral TikTok that's been going around, well, I think it's actually been removed, but of course it's still been going around of those nurses um, in a labor and delivery unit that were talking or I should say complaining about patients. And I think it's important to kind of, discuss that a little bit especially along with birth plans and why birth plans are important especially when going into a hospital um and for anyone that's seen that video it's really really frustrating and I'm sure it's really intimidating to go into a hospital now um if you've never had the experience before for those of you who've had negative hospital experiences you're probably like yeah that's that's spot on you know um unfortunately a lot of nurses out there <sighs> oh said me let me see what she's doing she's having the time man right yeah okay um so a lot of nurses out there are unfortunately feeling burnt out and overworked but at the end of the day, that's not an excuse um, to talk the way that they did. If you need to vent to somebody, you know, you can do that to like to your friend, your partner. Very unprofessional to do that online because I think now it's going to hurt a lot of women who go into the hospital because they're already going to be on guard because they're going to be like, well, now I don't want to ask for anything because that bothers nurses. And that's literally a huge part of our job. You know, you're supposed to hit the call bell and we're supposed to come to you. Um, you're supposed to ask us for stuff. That's that's what we're there for as nurses. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of nurses that are in the field right now that are lacking compassion because they're exhausted. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can no longer be empathetic or compassionate towards people and your patients, it's just, it's time to take a step away from that field because that is your job at the end of the day um, is to be non-judgmental, caring, empathetic towards any person that comes into your care. Um, So that, that video was really disappointing and that's kind of why we wanted to discuss birth plans and why they're so important um, because it does relate back to that video. Yeah. And that, that goes for, um, that concept of what you're saying of, of being like, don't be afraid to ask, you know, the nurse or anyone in the room for anything, especially when you're in labor. Um, that's the purpose of the birth team, no matter who is there, whether you're in the hospital and those, they're, they're nurses and an OB, whether that is, you know, at, at a birth center at home and you have assistants and a midwife, like, they're there to serve you at the end of the day. You have hired them. You're paying these people um, with your, you know, whether it's, you know, through your insurance or out of pocket. And so, um, like Gabby said, they're there, like, to care for you and to serve you. Um, That's not to say, and we're not saying this to try to deter anyone or to scare anyone, but it is a reality. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, Gabby's worked 
you know, you've seen it probably firsthand um, working in that field and working in yes. that environment. Yeah. Um, I, I know I've seen it firsthand um, whenever I've, I've been in a hospital as a doula before. Um, you may not necessarily see it directly because you're the patient, um, but it's a reality that does need to be addressed just because it isn't. Um, so don't let that though to like the fear of, oh my gosh, is the nursing staff going to hate me because I made a birth plan deter you from making a birth plan. I, I will just say that because yeah. there are nurses out there who don't like birth plans. They don't because they think it's just uh, seen as a list of demands or this patient's going to be difficult or, um, but I've also worked with a lot of nurses who have like been really helpful when it comes to birth plans and like really respectful and like listening and actually wanting to to do what they can to help the mom achieve what her mm -hmm. desires are um so yeah don't let that mindset deter you from making a birth plan yeah you'll hear a lot of people say nurses and non-medical people say like don't make a birth plan that's your ticket to the or for a c-section please ignore that 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 is not true at all um that's just this <sighs> bias like it goes around and people assume like oh you want a natural birth it's not going to happen or you want this it's not going to happen um and I always get so frustrated and disappointed when I hear people say that to mothers um because it's simply not true so don't let any of that deter you from making a birth plan because like I said it's not true and I mean you can't determine if you're gonna have a c-section by having a birth plan or not it's going to you know just help you make decisions along the way and it will help your birth team support you um something else like from a nurse perspective that's I enjoy when people I don't work in labor and delivery so I don't have um, experience with birth plans, but when I have patients come in that have had birth plans on the L and D side and kind, I can tell like they've done their research, they know exactly what they want. I love those patients because I can get a sense of who they are and what they need from me very quickly when I walk into that room. Um, and it helps me be a better nurse and not to say that I, I love caring for all my patients, but I think this is just to say, like, do the research. Even if you don't come up with a birth plan, take a class, um, whether it's a birth class, breastfeeding class, because we as your nurse are able to help you more when you can tell us, like, what you need help with, what your desires are. Because um, I've had a lot of people come in and they don't, they, you know, they don't really know anything about birth or breastfeeding, or even how they want to feed their baby, whether it's formula or breastfeeding. So it really does help to be prepared, um, even just so your nurse can help you more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why the concept of a birth plan came about. So um, for you mamas who are, you know, planning on giving birth at a hospital, especially, you, um, depending on the size of the practice that you're a part of, whether it's OB or midwife, combo, uh, you may not know who is on call when you go in to have your baby. So that's just the reality of having a big practice. And so you may not know who that is. If you were 
uh, lucky enough, you may have been able to have a prenatal with um, most, if not all of the providers um, in the practice. But that may not always be the case, especially with some of the bigger practices in cities. So, um, so that's number one. So you may not know who's who's going to actually be catching your baby, number one. And then number two, um, in hospitals, unless you have a friend or um, maybe a family member who is a nurse uh, in L&D at the hospital that you're going to be giving birth at, you're, you're most likely, almost definitely not going to know who are going to be the nurses that are going to be on staff at the hospital. And then even then shift changes happen, you know, emergencies come up and they have to, you know, go out to help out somebody else. And so team members can kind of switch around sometimes. And so you don't always know who's going to be a part of your birth team when you're in a hospital. So the concept of a birth plan came about so that way it can help have everybody or ideally have everybody who is a part of your birth team be on the same page of what it is that you're desiring and um, having known what your options are. Okay. What are the different options that you maybe want or don't want to have happen during your labor, your birth and those newborn procedures that happen within the first few hours afterward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I yeah. think that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also too, um, I've had pe- like moms who have had birth plans um, with birth center and home births too, because again, if you're at a birth center, there's several different midwives, you know, maybe a couple of different birth assistants. So knowing like what the atmosphere is, um, I work with moms all the time who have birth plans. And as a doula, I need to be on the same page as them because I'm supporting mm-hmm. them. Um, and so we talk about, you know, what are your desires? Um, what does your ideal birth look like? And some people like to call them birth desires because they don't want to say it as a plan. If you're a type A person, mm-hmm. um, I'm definitely more of a type A person. I love my lists. <laughs> I love my plans. I love game planning. I've kind of like gotten better with having kids now. I'm like, let's just throw the plan out the window because, you know, <laughs> like kids are sick today or something happens. But Or naps. Also, um, so... And type A, you like to plan things out. And we like when things go according to plan. We like that control, right? Like um, plans are things that we can have control of. We we love maybe the feeling of checking off that box or crossing that item off the list when we've got it done. There's like an amazing rush that happens. Um, Just because you make a plan for birth doesn't mean that it's going to go according to plan. And in fact, it's not going to. if it does, like, fanta- like praise God, that's fantastic, but that's not the majority. Um, so, Gabby, why would you even bother making a birth plan if it's not going to go according to plan? Because, like, I think it goes back to what you said, like, your birth desires. That's why it's so important. So, I mean, there's a few different reasons that this is so important. But, one, this is going to cause you to research a lot, um, which is going to push you to really understand like what's important to you going into birth. Um, What are the things that you and your um, husband are going to sit down and you're going to talk about and you're going to say, these are the things that are important to me, whether it's, you know, delayed cord clamping, um, an hour of skin to skin, two hours of skin to skin, uh, you know, no bath at the hospital or bath delayed for 24 hours, whatever those things are, um, you're going to know what they are. So you're going to write them down. And there's just, there's so much that can happen during birth. So I think especially for type A people, it can be helpful to have a couple of things written down like, okay, even if I can't control 
what everything that's going to happen. I want the lights dimmed. I can control Mm -hmm. that. Um, I want music playing while I'm pushing. I can, you know, as long as, you know, time-wise it works out, like, we can have music playing. So there are some things that you can try to have a little bit of control over, um, which may help. So I think there's a lot of good that can come from writing down your desires, researching them, because you you want a positive birth experience. You know, you want this to be something that you feel in control of as much as you are going to be able to be. Um, because like Maggie said, it doesn't go, you know, the way we think it's going to go every time. So having a lot of um, time to really sit and think about this is really important. And hey, you've got nine months, which is, you know, <laughs> which is a gift. And Hiring a doula is going to be really helpful because she can kind of walk you through all of these things that's going to be happening while you're in labor, in birth, after birth, you know, for the next like 24 hours while you're in the hospital, whatever it is. And she's going to be able to help you kind of pinpoint what desires are important to you and what you want to prioritize and what you want your birth team to know so that you can have a positive um, birth experience. And I think another point I'd like to make is, you know, like you said, type A people, we like our plan and we don't like when it doesn't go our way. So being realistic and just recognize that, hey, this may change. This may not go to plan. Am I going to be okay with that? Because if you walk in to the hospital and expecting like step one to happen, step two to happen, step three, like if you write your birth plan that way and it doesn't happen that way, there's room for some disappointment, maybe even mm-hmm. trauma to deal with there. And that's something we would like to avoid. So being realistic and reasonable with your plan, I think is really, really important. Uh, something I did with my birth plan for Ryland was, I don't, I was going to try to look at it, but I couldn't find out on the computer. I remember like listing out, like say we needed an intervention. I listed out like what intervention in order I was okay with first, because we delivered out of hospital with him. So, you know, if... I don't even remember what my scenarios were, but, you know, before an episiotomy, like we would try, you know, moving positions, something like that. Like try to think through a couple scenarios maybe and be like before, you know, just going right for a C-section, maybe asking for a second opinion or asking for like, is this immediate or can we wait an hour and see what happens? Um, You know, before, starting Pitocin? Can we try things like nipple stim or moving around, stuff like that? So maybe having, you know, some different options and kind of like a one, two, three, let's try this before we go to the, you know, the last resort, I think could help you feel like you're in control when things aren't going your way. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of those things that you just mentioned, you know, delay core clamping, episiotomy, like some of you guys may not know what those things mean. And that's a big benefit of a birth plan is to 
do your research and, and learn what these things mean. So that way you can prevent as much as possible that deer in the headline look when, you know, a nurse or a doctor is, at, um, you know, asking you to make a decision on one of these things. And you're like, I have never heard of these things. I don't know what they are, what's going on. Like, and also to help prevent your husband from having that deer in the headlight look yeah. because that, that happens too. And so, yeah. um, also, um, it helps you to be able to know what are the, the benefits and the risks of the different options that there are. Yes. Um, I, I've said it before and I'll always say it again, you don't know what you don't know. And knowledge is power. So the more knowledge you have, the more power you have over your choices. Um, because if you don't know what your choices are, you don't have choices really at the end of the day because you don't know what they are. And so they will be able to tell you that obviously in the hospital if a choice happens, but I mean, I'm going to be honest with this as much as they're supposed to actually tell you what the risks and benefits are, mm -hmm. because that is informed consent. They don't do that well at all. I've rarely met a doctor or even a nurse for that matter, who has fully given out benefits and risks equally yeah. of every single procedure from artificial rupture of membranes to cervical checks to, you know, obviously like the big ones like Pitocin, um, C-section, epidurals. Um, it's just not done because they, they're just not thinking that mm -hmm. I need to be doing this because they've been practicing, you know, what they've been doing for so many years and it just becomes, you know, like a boom, 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 one, two, three. And so doing your part and taking ownership of your birth means looking up what all these things mean and researching what they mean. And so, I mean, there's amazing resources out there for that. That's why it's important to take a childbirth education class. Um, if you can, one outside of the hospital, because, you know, mm -hmm. that's going to give you even more options and more knowledge, even beyond birth and into newborn care and into newborn procedures. And, you know, whether I get the eye ointment or the vitamin K or have, you know, like all these things. And so, um, yeah, like, you know, you don't know, you don't know, you can change that you can, and that's something you can control. Yeah, absolutely. And hiring a doula is another great thing. Because like in my birth for Sydney, um, Maggie was right there reminding me of the risk and benefits of certain procedures, you know, right before they were happening. Because in that moment, you don't always have like, the ability to do that yourself, because you're in the moment. So even though you've done the research, having the doula there to remind you like, hey, this, you know, this is how you felt about it, or this is the risk and benefits, like that way she's making sure that you are fully um, aware of what you're agreeing to or what you're declining. And it just, it really helps you feel like you're in control in that moment. So again, hiring a doula is not always possible, but when it is, it's it's amazing and it's very, very helpful in those circumstances. Absolutely. Um, I'd say too, should you make a birth plan even if you're just going and expecting to get an epidural? Absolutely. Yes. Um, epidurals will have a failure rate of eight to 23%. I just looked that up oh, yesterday. Wow. That's the latest stats on that. So epidurals I mean, have yeah. a failure rate of eight to 23%. I, my first epidural was a failed epidural. It so was, it was and, it yeah. and it sucked, it did. Um, and I wish I had known other things because I went into that birth not having a birth plan, not having taken in a childbirth education course, not looking up really or reading anything. And um, it showed, 
it did. And like looking back in it, I was like, yeah, I didn't know anything. And it, it bit me in the butt, like real hard, especially going into even like postpartum. Um, and so, yeah, you should 100% still have a birth plan or just looking at what your options are and learning different comfort measures, learning what, um, you know, different, um, different options, even for, um, pain relief are in hospitals. Some hospitals have nitrous oxide, which is an amazing resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and if your hospital has it, like absolutely you can use it. Um, using a TENS machine or a TENS unit for, for pain um, management can be helpful too. Um, what do you do if your epidural fails and how can you, you know, like work with pain management for that? And so um, just knowing what those options are and knowing that there are more ways to be able to manage pain and mm-hmm. um, <laughs> go through the contractions or cope with them, however you want to like view <laughs> it, you know, like there are way more options than just the epidural because sometimes that's all that, like, I'm sure Gabby, you can agree yes. with this. That's all that nurses will offer. Yep. For birth. It's yeah. just get the epidural and they yeah. think it's you know like a, a done deal it's and, not yeah. and this is something to think about too like if you don't want an epidural and your nurse is hounding you about that um one you know you can have your husband step in and say something that's extremely helpful um but two that's another thing to put on your birth plan is you can you can say like unless i ask for an epidural or pain meds please do not ask me because it's not, I I will say this. It's not always the nurse's fault. Like we are taught to take away pain as much as possible. We are taught that. Um, And because in the medical world, we're taught that birth is like this horrible, painful thing. Nurses are like, well, we, we want to make her comfortable. Like we don't want her in pain. Um, And a lot of people come into the hospital not knowing how to cope with contractions. So they are in pain, Um, you know, because some people will come in wanting a natural birth without having prepared. So nurses will go in there constantly asking you, like, are you sure you don't want the epidural? We can do something for you. I can take your pain away. And that can be really, really frustrating because you can start to feel like you're not being supported. Um, mm-hmm. by your nurse so that's just another thing you can talk to your husband about it beforehand and he can step in um, but putting it on your birth plan and even just you know verbally telling the nurse like I will tell you if I change my mind and I want an epidural but until that point please don't ask me um, and I would prefer that you respect that and most of the time they should they should listen um but that's just another point because that that happens a lot to people. Yeah. And I've seen I've seen it go both ways. I've seen nurses be very respectful of that. And I've seen nurses mm-hmm. be very annoyed and continue to kind of like ask. And we've had to, you know, yeah. kind of hide out in the bathroom, always hide in the bathroom. If that you have that nurse maybe <laughs> who is like continuing to ask. Um but yeah, with that though, okay kind of like some practicals of, of making a birth plan, like just keep in mind too, it's not a list of demands and don't treat it like that. Mm. Um, you know, when you do 
end up treating it like that and, and having, you know, like big capital letters and, and bold and it, it's just a lot. Um, or if it's like three pages long and it's a novel of like all these things that you want and, mm-hmm. you know, you're really like, like just <laughs> dedicated and married to the plan. Um, that's where the idea of birth plans or desires can kind of get a bad name, especially in the medical community, just because it's like, oh, they don't acknowledge the reality of this. Mm-hmm. Um so, I mean, try to keep it to just one page. Um, there are a lot of amazing templates out there that are even divided out in the different sections. So, you know, like newborn care, um, you know, how, how do you want the environment? Um, what do you want when it comes time for pushing, like different positions or, um, you know, you don't want that episiotomy, which is where they cut the perineum. Or, you know, you you maybe want, um, you know, intermittent versus continuous monitoring or, um, you know, how you maybe you just want, you want your husband to catch the baby because you can have your husband catch the baby even in a hospital. That's totally a possible mm-hmm. thing. Um, so, you know, having that all divided out into sections can make it less overwhelming for you to kind of sparse out and learn like, okay, what are these, whoa, there are different ways I can push besides just on my back, like I see in all the movies. Whoa, let me like look this up and and see what that's all about. Or, okay, what is delayed cord clamping? Because, I mean, gosh, we're going to do a whole episode on that Mm -hmm. because that's a whole hoopla and a half that um, I could go on about for like an hour, I think. Uh, I have a lot of I have a lot of yeah. thoughts on on how delayed cord clamping is nowadays, and based on the research. But anyway, so but yeah, like <laughs> looking at like what is that, and what is doctor's view versus what the evidence states, which you know versus what nurses, you know, like there's just so many thoughts sometimes surrounding a very vague statement such as delayed cord clamping. So like knowing more specifically what it is that you want. So. Um, having like a birth plan divided out into different sections can help you to feel less overwhelmed when you're looking up all these different options as well, too. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like she said, um, don't have pages and pages. I remember when I took um, my, we did the Bradley method with when I was pregnant with Ryland and my instructor gave us like examples of her students in the past birth plans. And I remember some of them were like six, seven pages. And I was like, these are paragraphs. Like, what? And I just remember <laughs> That's a being, paper. Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh. And another thing, like you said, some of them were really demanding and were coming off slightly aggressive. Um, and I don't think that was anyone's fault. I think because a lot of times we go into the hospital feeling like we have to automatically fight for what we want um but I think it will help you in the long run if you come off as not demanding and just kind of listing out your desires and what you would like um so yeah no not lots and lots of pages because I can tell you your nurses and your providers they don't have the time to read that unfortunately and it it is going to go in your chart your birth plan um but like she said, keep it to one page, maybe bullet points if you don't do like different sections. Um, that way it's easy for them to read. Keep it like clear and concise. Um, don't be aggressive because that's just not going to help anybody because uh, then you'll be fighting against each other the whole time. And nobody wants that because you want to have a good experience with your birth team. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing I would definitely recommend is bring in your birth plan 
probably around like 35, 36 oh, oh. weeks and talk to um, wh- whoever the provider you have the appointment with at that week is because that will help you too. I did that and I even, once I mentioned like, oh, I want to do the Bradley method, the one doctor was like, oh, you know, we actually would have a protocol for that. Like we know that um, if you want to do the Bradley method, we're only going to do 20 minutes of electronic fetal monitoring as soon as you come in and then we'll take it off and you're free to walk around we won't like um push for an iv unless you want one so they they already had a protocol in place which was helpful so then when i went to go write my birth plan i didn't have to write out in detail a whole lot of that stuff i just had to say the bradley method and when i went into the hospital and the nurse asked as soon as i said bradley method she said okay um this is what we're gonna do and she repeated exactly what that doctor had said so they were familiar with it which was helpful um and that's not going to be the case for everything if you say delayed cord clamping they'll say oh we we always do delayed cord clamping and you'll have to ask them do you do it until you know the cord um, goes white until the placenta comes out like there's different things but sometimes it's really helpful to talk to the providers because they may already do some of the stuff that you're writing down um, so it can just be helpful for you to go in knowing like what to expect from them um, as well I'd even I'd just to piggyback off that I'd even say 35 weeks should be the latest you talk to your provider about that because you find out that your provider is not on board with these things, you got to have a serious conversation with yourself and with your your husband about um, if that's a provider you really want to keep. Because if mm-hmm. they're like really disagreeing with you on things, you don't have to keep them. You don't. You can fire your provider and change, but you don't want to necessarily have to be in that boat if you're 36 weeks and you're like, I'm going to have a baby <laughs> in like a month. And um, yeah, so, and I've had, I've had moms do that. I've had moms switch you know, third trimester, because they had those conversations. And they were like, No, I really want these things. And like, well, we don't do that. We don't do this. We don't do that. And, and they were like, well, we're not going to work well together mm-hmm. at all. And they're glad they had those conversations um, before it was, you know, too late to really feel comfortable to switch. There's never really too late to switch. At the end of the day, I've had moms switch like a week before they had their baby. It's not easy, but, um, but yeah, so that that's, that's huge. So you do need to have those conversations with your provider and with, especially if you're in a practice, if you can have it with multiple providers, mm-hmm. it's even better, even better. Cause one, one provider can have one view. Another provider can have a different view on like the exact same thing. I will continue to use delayed cord clamping as an example because that's one of the mm-hmm. most common. One person can think it's one minute. One person can think it's 30 seconds. The other person can think it's two minutes. One provider can actually go to five minutes. Like, and they're yeah. all in the same practice. There's no like kind of across the board. Um, yeah, that so, happened. Sorry, cut you off. That okay. happened when um, I went in, when I was pregnant with Sydney, I had my first appointment with the practice I had Ryland with. I knew I was going to switch. I just hadn't. Um, found the midwife yet that I, I wanted to work with. So I went for my first appointment just to confirm pregnancy. And um, I had a C-section with Ryland. So we were talking about VBAC. And she was like, okay, well, and mind you, I was like seven, eight weeks. She was like, okay, so we're going to go ahead and schedule you for a C-section at 40 weeks. And because what did she say exactly? She said, because only... Two of our providers will allow for an induction 
after I want to say 39 weeks I think they might have only let me try to go to 39 weeks I can't even remember Uh. um but like you said it was she said like only one of their providers will allow for an induction and so if they're not on call then I have to have a c-section I was like what like if one Mm -hmm. of your providers is comfortable with it why isn't everybody like I don't understand why we're not all on board like why aren't we taking a step back to look at the research and that's another topic for another time but like Maggie said it's important to have the conversation with multiple providers or at least know like are you all going to be on board with this because you might get the one provider that you know when you go into labor and they're not on board with your plan or your desires and that could be really really frustrating for you Mm mm-hmm Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. One final note, too, that I'd make about birth plans is that um, I know we, we don't ever use no one's planning to have a C-section. No one's planning to transfer if you're home or at a birth center. Um, but you got to include that in your plan. Um, you do need to talk about it. It's a hard conversation to have. And it's not a fun one. I, I have it with um, just about every family that I work with. And if you're working with a midwife out of hospital, you will have that transfer conversation with them as well. Or you should. That marks a good midwife just to kind of know what to expect if that would to happen, whether it's emergent or non-emergent. Um, but you should make a plan because, again, know what to expect when it comes to a C-section in the hospital that you're going to be at or that you would be transferring to? What are their options? Can you do a gentle C-section? What is a gentle C-section? Um, can you do skin to skin afterward? What does, you know, who's allowed in the mm-hmm. room? Are you allowed to play music? Are you allowed to, um, you know, do you have to have your arms tied down or can you have them free? Like there are just a, a bunch of different options even with a C-section. Also, we have, what, what hospital am I transferring to if I need to transfer? Um, and what are their viewpoints on everything too? Are they, am I, is my doula allowed to come with me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, am I able to, what are the pain management options there if I need pain management? What does all that look like? And so um, having a, a plan as, as well For those circumstances that, you know, nobody desires, nobody is, is ultimately planning for when they're, you know, thinking about and dreaming about their, their birth, Mm -hmm. but it, it'll help make that transition smoother and it can kind of help you process as well. Okay. Yeah. This is the point we're at where maybe it's like no longer safe or, you know, like you're no longer comfortable with it. And it's like, okay. We, we, we need to, we need to make this decision. What am I in control of still? I'm not in control of this, you know, how this birth is like going this way, but I still am in control of things. What am I in control of? How can I still make this my birth and own this as my birth? Um, and it's not easy to have those conversations, but definitely necessary. It's very necessary. And as someone who had an emergency C-section with Rylan, I didn't, I did not plan for a C-section. Like you said, I wish I had. Um, looking back but the one thing I did do and I talked to my husband about this because I had a friend who had an emergency c-section and she was saying that like she had read a book and it had talked about like you know the same thing like you want to think through the process and she said that helped her not have such a traumatic experience from her c-section because she had like recognize that if this is a reality how am I going to react to it so my husband and I talked through it and you know, it was still, you know, traumatizing and I still had to process his birth. But in the moment, 
I felt in control saying, yes, this is what we need to do in this moment. And I know it's the right answer. And even in like the whole year after his birth, when I was processing it, I always went back to that moment and saying like, I knew I was okay with it. I knew it was the right decision. Uh, I had no regrets because I had talked to my husband about like, if this is a scenario, I want to feel um, like it's the right decision at the right time. So um, again, like Maggie said, it's not an easy conversation to have. Um, cause so- and sometimes we think like that by having the conversation, we're acknowledging that's what's going to happen. And, yes. and you're not. You're not, you know, you're not going to manifest a C-section by having the conversation. It's not superstitious. Right? Not at all. But what you will do is um, you'll be able to process it better if it doesn't go your way. Um, And it's still, it's still hard, but it's, it's a really necessary conversation to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many good, amazing benefits from birth plans, desires, and writing them down. Um, and so, yeah, if you, like, there's some great resources out there for finding um, birth plan templates. Um, oh, my gosh. I can't even, like, name all of them. Like, so oh, many God. birth websites, like, have templates. Like, you don't have to buy one. Like, just you can go and there's, like, free downloads or you can get them off of, like, Pinterest or um, and you can buy, like, you can even just make your own. Like, you don't even have to have, like, an official template. You can just literally, like Gabby said, like, just write out bullet points or type them out. Um, actually, it's actually better if you type them out because that mm. way you have a copy. Like, always keep a copy with you. Give a copy to your provider. Bring, like, one or two copies to the hospital if you're at a hospital or if or a birth center. Um, you know, so that way, like, everyone's on the same page. Um but yeah, like making sure that that the birth team is just surrounding you and supporting you in the ways that you're desiring to be supported. I mean, you know, that always just goes back to just treating everyone with dignity and being treated with dignity as you're in labor and giving birth. Because um, that's what's really important as well, too, is acknowledging the dignity of the woman who's giving birth and treating them with respect and the respect that, that they desire is huge in that. So if you're a nurse who's listening, like, you may not necessarily agree with the birth plan of a mom, but you got to respect that at the end of the day, because mm-hmm. this is her birth. It's not yours. Um, you know, if, if you're a friend who maybe your birth plan didn't go well and you're, and you know, someone's having, having a baby and, and you don't like the fact maybe that they're making a birth plan and um, you know, this is her birth and it's not yours. And so um, we do need to respect, respect those desires, even if they don't go in the way that, that are planned and the way that's desired um, as still part of our dignity is being able to have these hopes and these dreams and these desires and respecting that of one another. Um, So yeah, like it's okay to dream up your, your ideal birth and to write those down and then maybe be real, more realistic about it, you know, and like, what is it that you're, that you're wanting and how is it that you can create an atmosphere and an environment that's really welcoming to your baby as they come into your arms um, cause that should be the goal at the end of the day is, is to have that, uh, have that environment and have that, um, all those people be on the same page that are helping you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> a great place to end that conversation. I think, yeah, I think we said all the things we needed to say. I hope it's helpful to everybody listening. Yeah. Also, thank you so much for people who've been listening and like leaving some reviews. You guys are awesome. Um, I'm grateful. 
gosh, I'd love <laughs> just already forming like this, like more of this community and um, being able to share some of our, our knowledge and, and um, facts with other people. So thanks <laughs> for listening. To- yes, absolutely. <laughs> and we'll be more active on um, social media, like Instagram in the new year. Um, for sure. Just, just been dealing with a newborn over here, and <laughs> and Advent and Christmas yes. and Christmas cookies and press. Like, yeah, it's just it's a great time of year, but it's so good to be able to kind of just like slow down a little bit. And I know we've both been kind of like being intentional about doing that. So, yeah. and I hope and it seems like a lot of people have been too. So, thank you guys for you know for listening. Um, Merry Christmas to everybody. Enjoy this Christmas week. I know this comes out during Christmas week. So enjoy it. Live it up. Um, Eat all the things. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) All of them. Um, Oh, my gosh. So many Christmas cookies. Without any guilt. Just guys, I'm gonna be making the te- I'm gonna be making Nutella bread. It's gonna be amazing. Oh, I'll let you know how that goes. Um. Okay, I was wondering <laughs> what was rising in your mixing bowl. <laughs> oh well, that's just normal bread right now. Oh, okay. That's our like okay. that's our normal like sandwich bread for for the week. But like, no, I'm gonna be making Nutella bread this week. Ooh. I'm gonna be feasting on that all next week. It's gonna be great. Um, yes. but yeah, Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And happy new year. Thank you so much for listening to Blessed Be Birth podcast. Please know that none of the information shared on this podcast is medical advice and should not be taken as such. If you want to connect with us, please follow us on Instagram at Blessed Be Birth podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast today, please subscribe and leave us a review so we can continue to reach even more amazing, faithful women. Thanks so much. And remember to invite God in.